Well, good morning. Great to see you. I just echo that video. Um, you can still still sign up. Outlaw Barbecue and Marriage Talk, right? Sounds great to me. Um, some of you are like, uh, I don't know. Maybe Outlaw Barbecue will get you off the fence. But uh, there'll be a hundred and something of us here. Uh, there's a lot signed up, so we can have 200. Um, so you're, you, we still got spots for you. And so I'd uh, love to see you there uh, this Friday night. I know the seniors, they came first service, and then they actually came second service for that, and then they're headed out and getting ready, and, you know, um, I joke with them, uh, you know, about the only thing you got to do today is just don't trip, right? I think that was the only thing I was thinking that day, it was like, okay, just don't fall, like, and you're going to get your diploma and just headlong dive, but um, so proud of them, and uh, I have, I just, this kind of now three years in, I've gotten to know this, this group a little bit better, and I am so proud of them. And I am so, um, so looking forward to what God's going to do with their lives. And I, I just, I, I have high expectations. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just high expectations because of the potential that exists in that group that stood up here today. And who they are becoming, what God's doing in their life, I am just, I am excited to see what's going to happen with them. You know, we're in no place like home. We want to finish today. And uh, just trying to think through this, I knew it would be graduation Sunday. Knew how I wanted to finish this series, just four weeks, kind of a flyover, uh, talking about, reminding us about some uh, marriage, parenting, not really in depth, not a long series. Um, We're getting ready to jump into the book of James for the summer, and that'll be fun. Really looking forward to that. But, um, wanted to finish in this way. I want to remind you that this institution, this unit that God created, the home, um, it brings tremendous fulfillment, deep love. Uh, it's just at the center of who we are, isn't it? Family. And yet, God established it to show us something. Beyond just, I'm a part of this family. It actually is designed to help us to grasp His love. That in the context of deep, loving, unconditional love relationships, that we are getting a glimpse into the Father. He actually, this is who He is. And this is what He's given to us. And so home is intended to grasp God's love. It's intended to help us experience God's grace, right? We talked about that where it's only in family and there's no place like home where, man, you get to know somebody really well, really fast. And when we live together and like in that way, we understand very quickly that we are broken people. We are fallen people. We are not perfect. Amen? Don't somebody look at your spouse and say, I'm not perfect. Stop trying to make, you're trying to think I'm perfect. But, um, uh, and we realize that to have good, heartfelt, loving, deep relationships, it takes grace, forgiveness, love given, love received, um, patience, long suffering. And man, it's when we realize that, we tap into the idea that God, the gracious God, models grace to us and gives us this place for that to be lived out. There is nothing like grace-filled relationships. To be loved by someone who knows you are not perfect. 
and loves you anyway. And doesn't love you based on performance, but loves you because they're committed to you and is kind and is... There's just nothing like that, is there? Well, that's the Father. And family helps us to... Wow, they love me like that. How much more is the Father gracious? The last one is it helps us... It reveals God's truth. We one another, one another, right? Um, And it's really in the family where that starts, in the home. How to share, to love, to give, to sacrifice. These things that the Bible calls us to be people of, well, it starts in our home. And we remember week one, we we talked about the fact that um, a healthy home is so dependent on on you being committed to your second priority. We're assuming your first priority is you're following God, you love God. But your second priority is your spouse. Healthy homes, good families are so dependent on the health of mom and dad. How's your relationship? Because if your relationship is not doing well, the whole atmosphere of the home is affected. And actually the scriptures tell us that our second priority is not my kids, it's my spouse. And that out of the healthy, loving relationship with my spouse, my kids thrive. And they are, it's modeled for them what love looks like, how to be in relationship with somebody. And so we talked about the primacy of marriage in the, a healthy home. We talked about some parenting things uh, the second week, about how it's, it's an intentional thing. You don't just wake up and have a good family. You're going to have to sit down with some positive, clear-cut objectives. This is the end game. This is what we're hoping our kids turn out like. You have to know that. And you have to put in place uh, structures and strategies of how we're going to get them. And we're not going to be deterred. And, uh, you know, dealing with different kids, it can be confusing, right? It's very complex. Like one kid's this way, another kid's this way. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it doesn't work with them. And, and yet we are committed to certain objectives. This is what we feel like God is calling us to value and prioritize. It's intentional. It's transparent, right? I have found that with my kids so far, and I'm very hesitant with this, all right? And I even didn't even use my stuff that Sunday because I was not going to be that arrogant to say like, hey, this is what I think you should do. I was using somebody else because it needed to speak to me. But I have realized that my kids desperately long for transparency from me. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I messed up. I had bad judgment. They, 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 man, when I'm transparent and authentic, it goes a long way. And the other thing was modeling. Um, the idea of being a, a model. There is no way that you're ever going to have uh, kids follow someone who is not following it themselves. It just it doesn't happen. And so we talked about that last week. We just reminded you that there's you just had one job, right? <laughs> you just had one job. That's a phrase in our culture, and that is to create an environment where the word of God is taught. Deuteronomy six talks about when you're waking up, when you're going to sleep, when you're walking, when you're everywhere, it's all centered back around is finding opportunities to teach, share, and live the Word of God. That's your one job. I'm thinking about this. If they say a picture is worth a thousand words, some of you are just wishing I would just show about four pictures and shut up. I realize that. But um, I, as for me, here's two images from this week for me, what God's been speaking to me about as I've thought about this. You know, this is a picture from my front lawn. 
This is how I wish my whole lawn looked. Right? Oh, that's a good part of my lawn. I like that. I want my whole lawn to look like that. You know, we moved there and there was some, it just needs still a lot of work, but it's, it's getting there slowly. It could go a long way. And, but that's a good portion. That's what I want my lawn to look like, right? Thought about that today. You know, but there's a spot in my yard that looks like this. That's what it looks like, kid you not. Right when you pull into my house, the first things you see about my lawn is that right there. It's right by my driveway. Every time I pull in for the longest time, I go, oh. I have tilled that up. I've seeded it. I put straw on it. I've. You know what that area is, though? That's where my kids have shot hundreds of baskets. And I've joined them and shot hundreds of baskets. Evidently, that section's never going to look good until my kids are gone. And I am completely okay with that. What I want or what is better. This is better. I know it doesn't look like it, does it? (laughs) Oh, no. Thought about that today or this week. I'm okay with that spot. I'm proud of that spot. You come over to my house now, I'm going to say, look at my spot. (laughs) Not really. But if you pull in, you know what that spot is. That's a lot of time spent with my kids right there. And what I want and what is reality is better. That's what I want actually now. That's kind of parenting in a snapshot, isn't it? This is what I want. And so I just, maybe those images will stay with you and you'll think about that. That's, God's been speaking to me about this. Today I want to talk to you, just finish this up by kind of introducing a new thought pattern here and this idea of no place like home. Because we see in the scriptures that actually family becomes redefined by God. If he's the one that started this institution, this unit, and it was Adam and Eve and the, the boys and, um, and some girls too somewhere. But, um, you know, uh, and, and we see that that's like a foundational part of society, of culture, of humanity. We see that God always had something a little bit more intended and planned for our lives. That yes, we live in the context most core is our family. But he even has a better plan And we see that he started that with a certain group of people, the Jewish nation, but always his intent was the church. And that actually family, in the eyes of a Christian, is far more than my last name being Bullock. And my identity of who I am, what I belong to, what home is for me, is bigger than just 205 Orchard Lane and four kids and Nicole. That what God has designed for me to experience and live in and what family, the word family means for me is bigger and it includes his church, his people, the community of believers I belong to. And that God is saying, listen, I've given you this core institution, but I want to build around that in such a positive core, central way that, um, 
that, that it's supportive and it supplements and it, it brings life. And, you know, the old phrase was it takes a village, right? Some of you remember who said that first and you frowned at me. Some of you will look it up later who first started saying it takes a village. I'm not going to say anything. You're like, really? It takes a village? That sounds like hocus pocus, new age, modern, modern stuff. You know, in the kingdom though, the way God has formed this is it's mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, but it's also the community of believers that I share life with, that speak into my life, that encourage, support, come alongside. I will tell you, I look at my life, and I, I, I've been in the church my whole life, right? So I don't have any other context. But I know enough. Sometimes you know without having to experience something, you just know. I can't imagine my life, the emptiness, the, um, where I'd even be, without those people that I shared life with growing up in my church who came alongside me and told me, I believe in you who told me, I know God's great, got great things for you, who spent time with me, who taught me, not just my dad, my, my, my father, but men who taught me masculinity, who showed me how to have healthy relationships, ladies who taught me the value of femininity and, and how to value, uh, the, the, uh, what's the word, womanhood? I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what the right word is to use who loved on me and showed me and I just made my life robust and full and meaningful. And that's what God always intended. Family to us is, yes, it's my last name. But it's you guys. It's the church. And I just want to remind you of this. I was really talking to graduates first service that you know, you're starting a new horizon, a new chapter. There's new things. And who knows what that all means for you. But core to who you are and what you'll need is that family. Those, those, that community of believers. Always, in all situations, all contexts. And I would just remind us of this today. Um, of these four things. I, I wanted to just share this story with you. Because this has really been the visual image for me this week. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Context, early ministry. He's really taken off, attracting people, doing miracles, healing people a lot. Um, and it, it's really starting to gain momentum in his ministry. And people are flocking, flooding to where he's at, and religious leaders are really beginning to take notice and be very fired up. And, and the context of the story would go farther with that than I'm going to go today. But it's, it's this one moment where he's teaching in this home, and it's packed out, right? And uh, we read, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Four guys had a buddy who was paralyzed, knew that this, this man could heal, desired it for their buddy, who wasn't able to go to where Jesus was at, was incapable of getting to Jesus. These men 
bring him to Jesus. Not only do they come to the place where he's at, but they realize they're not going to be able to get through the crowd, so they get inventive and creative, right? And they actually go up on this guy's roof. You ever thought about this detail of the story? We all know this story, right? Like, they just start tearing this guy's roof up. Like, I'm the homeowner. I'm like, what is going on? You know, like, I'm... They just start taking the tile away, drop the man down on the mat in front of Jesus, right? We all know this story. Who wants friends like that? Absolutely. This is model friendship. This is caring. This is, I mean, and this for me is just a visual image of how this can work. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was laying on. And I love this. When Jesus, what? Saw his faith? Saw their faith. He healed this man. He did more in this man's life. Obviously, this man had faith also. You can't have your sins forgiven without faith in Jesus. But Jesus was also moved by people who cared enough about their buddy to take him to Jesus. To bring him into his presence. To care about him when they were in need. This guy was in need. And to take him to the source. To come alongside, to support, to encourage, to do what was necessary. To me, that is a picture of the church. How can I help you get to Jesus? How can you help me get to Jesus? Right? And I just want that image as I talk about these four things that I think are the essence of what the church is and family and our understanding of family. Family, the church is a place that offers belonging. It's amazing. We all want to belong. We, we are desperate to belong. This week I have spent time watching, uh, her name's Brene Brown. Any of you are familiar with TED Talks? Um, this is the most watched TED Talk ever. 41 million views. Um, she just did a short 16-minute talk. 41 million people have clued in. You know why? I think it's so interesting. This is what people gravitate toward. This is what we want. This is what we're interested in. It's a talk about belonging. We all want to belong, right? To communities. It's amazing, even as we, we find belonging in our sports teams, right? In our fan bases. We identify with this. We identify with that. Our communities. We're, we're, you know, we just be, become a part of what it is to be a Napoleon Wildcat. Or Defiance Bulldog. Or who else is here? I don't know. If I miss you, I'm sorry. We, but we, we just belong. In fact, her research, which was exhaustive, comes to the conclusion that the scriptures have always said that core to every human being is a desire to be connected, to belong. And guess what all along Jesus has created his church to do? To give us a place to belong. It's, it's in words that he would say, uh, we are his he is the shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture, right? It's in Romans chapter 8. He would talk about how we have been adopted into the family of God. 
where now we, we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. We belong to a family. It's First John, so great God has love, lavished love upon us that we now get to be the children of God. And in this kingdom with this king, the thing that he does is he adopts us, he makes us belong, and he creates a community of belonging. And that's what we desperately want to do. We want to belong more than just our families, but to this thing that he has created called his church. And the church is supposed to be a place of belonging. It's what you and I are looking for. It's what he's always, always intended for us to experience. But you know what Renee Brown would say in this, in her study, that people desperately want to belong, but the number one thing that stops them from belonging is shame. Shame. Shame is the number one thing that keeps us from belonging. I have been this person. I don't deserve to belong. I am not who they think I should be, so I must not belong. Right? We all have shame. Because we're sinful. And shame is the number one thing that keeps us from belonging. I don't want to be seen. I don't want them to know. I don't want to be open and transparent because they might not like what they see. Or they might look at me and my past actions or who I've been or who I, even who I am. Guess what? Jesus has a little bit of something to say about shame. Right? And he offers to us forgiveness and acceptance. And the place, the church is a place that invites acceptance. We want to know, we want to be known and we want to know. And the church should be exhibit A. On what it is for broken, sinful people who have lived with shame, had shame, to experience the forgiving power and love of Christ. And then as his people who have experienced that, to share that into those lives around us in the community belonging. It's amazing in, in listening to what she would talk about that shame is what keeps us from being connected. And the only way to confront shame is vulnerability. The only way you can ever move deep into relationship is being willing to be vulnerable. And she goes on and on, and I was just thinking, wow. What's amazing is this woman, who's a very noted researcher and all this, she started this process, was not a believer in Jesus at all. Guess what Brene Brown is today? She's a believer in Jesus Christ. Because she realized in all of her research, and I'm talking exhaustive research, she realized that Jesus was offering what she desperately needed and the church mimicked who Jesus was, was supposed to be. Now part of that is this place is a place where we can be accepted and we can be vulnerable. This is who I am 
This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I need help with. This is what I've failed in. This is how I need God to move in my life. And this should be a culture, a place where we can find acceptance. That's what we want. That's what we desire. And actually, it's amazing she uses these words. That vulnerability is the place where, yes, there's, there can be fear and, 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 and all of these things, but yet it's only in vulnerability it becomes the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of love. It's when you come to that point when you're willing to be vulnerable and honest and transparent and open that you finally can become who you're supposed to be. You can take steps. You can make progress. You can grow. And this place should be a place where we we foster that we accept people right where they're at and what they're doing and we realize listen i don't care what your deal is i've got stuff and we're we're working through this supporting encouraging each other together and there's an accepting community that gives us an opportunity to finally experience growth because we've laid shame down are you with me today amen you say amen, I go fast. Stop saying amen. A place that offers belonging, acceptance. A place that brings encouragement. Man, the scriptures are full of this. Encourage one another. Let your speech be seasoned with grace. Right? In your words, encourage one another. Don't tear each other down. Be a, I'm just thinking it's, it's way too many scriptures to even start to reference them. But the New Testament offers us this idea, this vision of people that come alongside one another and bear one another's burdens. You know what that means? That's like I see you hurting and I come to where you're at and I care about you and I love on you and I speak life into you and I stay with you and encourage you and encourage you and we believe and trust together that God can get us through our rough times. This is the church, right? Yeah. A place that brings encouragement. Stinking Thessalonians says those very words, encourage one another. But lastly, it's a place that gives significance. There's nothing like being a part of something bigger than you. It's what we all really hope for and long for. It's amazing even the most wealthy people in the world look at bill gates for instance who at one point i think he was making what 30 million a minute 30 million dollars just in the last minute was what he was making there for a while let that sit on you a little bit everything he ever wants could ever experience this life could give has come to the realization that he could give it all to his kids or he could be about something that's far bigger than him. So 99% of his income is now going to be given away. I'm sure his kids aren't thrilled about that. I don't know. Probably good people too. They, you know. But he realizes, listen, I can have everything this world could offer and if I'm not about something bigger than me, I'm empty, lost, and this is this is. It's vain. Even someone who doesn't even follow Jesus understands that. 
Guess what Jesus offers us in his kingdom? A place to be about the greatest thing in the world, the everlasting kingdom of God. And that you and I, as we come in, we belong, we're accepted, we're encouraged, we find our purpose, our meaning, our significance. And I get to be a part of something through the gifts, talents, abilities God's given to me to impact the world with love, the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And this place becomes a place that gives significance. That is family in a Christian's world. Yes, it is 205 Orchard Lane for me. Yes. But it is bigger than that and it's better than that. It's you guys. In fact, I love the words of, of Eugene Peterson when he would say this. There can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and an embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. That's exactly what Ephesians chapter 4 says. You cannot be who you were ever meant to be without the body of Christ. There is no right off into the sunset lone ranger with Jesus. Okay? Not happening, not what it was intended to be. It's always in the context of community. Max Licato would say this, questions can make hermits out of us, drive us into hiding. I've seen this so often. People begin to question life and question circumstances, question God, and they drive themselves to isolation. It's like they go into a cave. Yet the cave has no answers. Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubt through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. And when you interlock your understanding with mine and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess, and pray, Christ speaks. And so family is redefined in the church. And God has given you this beautiful place to experience the greatest joys in life and deepest loves with your your family. And yet he has come along in such a beautiful way to give you even something greater, and that's to be surrounded by an encouraging, loving, supportive community of believers that help you realize what it is to love and be loved, known and be known, accepted and accepting, and to be free to become who you have been created to be. That's the church. That's the family of God. That's the redefinition of the word family. It's a broadening of its meaning. And that's you and me. And so, I don't have any graduates to speak to right now. I spoke to them right now. But I would just remind you. Would you experience what God has for you? Would you immerse yourself in the family? It's no secret that the reason why a lot of people have walked away from the church is because the church hasn't been the church. The greatest cause of atheism in the world today is people who confess Jesus with their lips and then walk outside and deny him with their lifestyle. It is this kind of living that a world finds simply un 
unbelievable. And when the church isn't the church, it's an ugly thing, right? But when the church is the church, a place to belong, accepted, encouraged, significant, it's the most beautiful organism the world has ever seen. Let's be the church.